special episode of the New Blood Rising podcast. This is going to be fun. It's a little chat show that we're going to do, just a round table of sorts, us going around just uh, just talking to, through some topics here through um, Season 5, which we always call from Sting to Hogan, going through early 90s WCW. I'm William Rinkin, joined by Jason Kiesler. How's it going, folks? And Charlie Stabile. Good afternoon. Uh so this is going to be fun because it's there's not much of a script to it. It's us just kind of going back and forth, just going around with each of us bringing up a topic. If any, if reminds me of those old uh, on ESPN, the Sports Reporters show is my favorite show on there, which was just guys from that were sports journalists just throwing around topics and just talking through it. Um, and uh, it's I know it's fun for me because like now I've become so regimented. Like I have like a twelve page script to go through for each of our shows because. And it's kind of the reason why, like, I, I kind of, I know it's weird because it's like, why is Will reading, like, his comments? And the reason I do it is because I just want to get through my stuff quickly so we can get back to what you guys have to talk about because I feel it also streamlines the show a little bit more, too. So, just in case anyone was wondering, like, what the fuck's he doing? <laughs> why is he doing this? Um, but this is going to be kind of cool because, again, we're... We each sat we sat around through the week and thought of some um, each of us like one thing we could talk about from this season you know just one thing that we've kind of got some talking points on then we'll shoot it out to the rest of us and then kind of move on from there. Um, Jason, to start with, like, what did you kind of think about was something interesting to point out and talk about from season five here? Oh, uh, let's talk about Sting specifically, the trouble with Sting. Um, you know, we've, we've said a lot. I'm a huge fan of Sting uh, from a kid. Was my favorite wrestler. I grew up as a WCW watcher, not a WWF watcher kind of thing. But now, going back and watching watching him now, and not just watching it as an adult, watching it with the knowledge of, of you know, seeing the Monday Night Wars, and yes, it's revisionist history, but then reading and hearing other people's accounts, you know, um, there, there seems to be a... a, a a big problem with the way that WCW has built itself around Sting. It's not him personally. It's just this concept of let's construct a company around this guy. So here you have just the, I'm going to use an example. And it was something that I brought up in the last episode where Tony Schiavone was kind of giving some unsolicited career advice to Marcus Alexander Bagwell about not getting caught up in someone else's drama. So looking at that, they felt that the best way to get people to root for this new person was to immediately associate him with Sting. Even during the recap video uh, towards the end of the show where it talks about the problems with the Dangerous Alliance, you see Sting tag-teaming with Marcus Alexander Bagwell. And what's funny is there's a, there's a clip, too, of a promo either before or after a match, and Sting is standing there talking in the promo. You don't hear him. You just see him. And Bagwell is behind him looking all beat up but sting is standing there in front of him and it's kind of what a what a great visual for for what's going on um on the the heel side their thing to do is if you want people to immediately boo a person is you send them after sting cactus jack abdul the butcher these guys okay 
so they were sent by Lex Luger, who is the world heavyweight champion, who should fear Sting the most. Great. But then also, here comes the Dangerous Alliance with Rick Rude. And when Paul Heyman came up and gave like the Dangerous Alliance's mission statement, is we're going to break down WCW, and we're going to break down WCW by going after your heroes. The very first one he goes after is Sting. And the it doesn't seem like anyone else's uh, I guess story and motivation to fight the dangerous alliance isn't because hey they're coming after all of us they want to they want to hurt us they want to break down this company let's stand up to them it all revolves around their relationship with Sting the whole thing with Barry Windham is just a happy coincidence because Arn Anderson and Larry Zbysko broke Windham's hand before there was a dangerous alliance and before they were part of it um, so again, it just casually goes back to Sting, and this is something that'll continue forever. And it kind of went before; it was always Sting versus the—I mean, it wasn't always, but it was Sting versus the Horseman. And then when the Horseman kind of ipso facto went away, it was well, Sting versus Nikita Koloff, Sting versus this person, which is is what wrestling's supposed to be. You're supposed to have someone be a feud, but this guy's feuding like with everything. He's feuding with the World Heavyweight Champion. He's feuding with the U.S. champion. He's feuding with the TV champion. Um, you know, it, it, like we need to know, is the problem staying? Um, so, I mean, like, I, I just want to hear your thoughts on on that. Charlie, you first. Go ahead. I never really thought of it that way. That, um, yeah, you're right. It's like every time that there's a new wrestler, they have to align them with Sting. That they really are revolving the entire company around him like in in every way you can imagine and i think it spreads sting too thin you know like because you know when i was a kid this is right around the time when i when i started watching wrestling this is close and um i was a wwf kid but if i ever did watch wcw it was to watch sting and yeah and sting was my favorite over there but when you look at the things that he's doing here and it's there's like a real like well you talked about on the last episode the real lack of focus for the Steiners they seem kind of aimless Sting feels the same way if like Sting fighting for the world title like uh, at Super Bowl two this feels like a really big deal and and it shouldn't because it feels like Sting has it should have always been fighting for the world title but there was that period of time where uh, he just kind of got completely forgotten about and almost became like glorified high mid Carter um. With that, like, 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 for instance, with that run that he had with Nikita Koloff, and Sting has way too many enemies. Like, like, literally, if if you're a bad guy, you're an enemy of Sting, yeah. and and it just keeps adding on to it. And like, he's got the Dangerous Alliance and Arn Anderson, and and now that Bobby Eaton's joined uh, up with with Arn Anderson, now I guess he's going to feud with Bobby Eaton also. It's just like they're like there's not just one guy that he's going to like like Luger is one thing like like that's a real personal kind of feud that I can I can get behind and I can get invested in. But I mean, we know that 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 feud with Cactus Jack's coming uh, later later in this year and he's already doing stuff with with Abdullah and Abdullah turned on him with that tag match thing. It's just too much. And and Sting, it just kind of makes him to me at least, makes him look like kind of a goof. And it's not his fault. It's just the way that they book him. I think they were so heavily reliant on him um, 
especially like you know after flair left that was really when like okay well what are we gonna do with sting now you know that was like his ultimate enemy um yeah let's team up with steamboat let's do this let's do that like let's try everything basically i'd love to see a program with sting and stunning steve austin uh like if they would just focus on something like that, but I I don't think they they end up doing that. Sting and Rick Rude, like here's another new one, um, and this is a great feud. I remember this feud. Of course, it ends up ending Rick Rude's career, unfortunately. But but they've got a great chemistry together. But once again, it's just like Sting. It's just it's Sting versus the world, basically, and um, it's it, it just seems like a real lack of focus and. It's like I said, it's not Sting's fault. I just wish, I wish that they 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 definitely had him on a set path, and it just seemed a little bit more focused. And it just didn't seem like he was the leader of the entire face part of the locker room, and everyone kind of gravitated towards him. Yeah, it's just that's that's how I feel about it. It's weird. Like this is a hundred percent a case of what we thought this era was was like. Oh, Sting was the man. Sting was the and the way like once again when you go through the way the history is retold through these these retro video packages that they put together for guys that pop up like when Sting did in WWF finally he's like oh he's the icon you know he was the guy who um who was the leader of WCW and it's like when you really get down into it and you watch these shows like you know in a in a sequential order boy it doesn't feel that way it just feels like, yeah, he's he's a cool dude who looks awesome, like, and he has a great connection with the crowd. He has cool theme music, but most of the time, and I just keep laughing that we have yet to see him win one of these major matches with a Scorpion Deathlock. <laughs> right. I mean, yep. it's crazy. Like that was like I, I mean, I thought that was like his signature move. Like it, I even used to associate it more with him than the Sharpshooter with Brett when I was a kid. Because it was just such a, it, it just seemed like such a, they go hand in hand. It's just they don't. Not at all, really. Like, maybe on the house show circuit, maybe on some of those main event matches, maybe if you'd show up there, but not in these. But to the bigger point, it's like, when you see that the WWF has Hulk Hogan, and they're like, oh man, they've got that, they've got him. And they built everything around him. Like, the booking of Hulk Hogan and that, that run in the 80s is magnificent. Like, that's kept that that made people want to watch and i know i understand there are guys that came along like warrior who really pulled fans his way but it doesn't work without a hulk hogan being the guy that you build it around and and wcw has like gift wrapped it to him like you have a guy too he's right here he has amazing connection he's a great wrestler he probably is a more versatile wrestler than hulk hogan is at this point and yet somehow somehow you're and and it seems like he wins that world title and he's got a pretty good feud going. I, I the Sid feud is fine. Like it's a good, wow. How's he going to overcome this? Uh, you know, the shenanigans with fake sting popping up, which by the way, I would have loved to have seen Ron Simmons play a fake sting and see what, how they play. <laughs> Charlie, I know it's your topic next, but Uh-oh. I thought that'd be kind of fun. Sting is not the attorney general of Virginia. Okay? Yeah, that's right. Oh, he's, he's not going to be able to be the governor of Virginia if, uh, <laughs> if he does that. Or, the, uh, or, or the guy below him, or the guy below him, <laughs> <laughs> or Joy or Joy Behar. <laughs> so, to to kind of piggyback with with what I've got and and where I'm going with this, 
It's a trend that I've noticed too, and I want to know if you guys notice it. Um, here's Kevin Nash already on his third incarnation, right? Yeah. So, like, they didn't make a big deal out of the Master Blaster, but they made a huge deal out of Oz with the production value with his entrance and everything. Never once really had anything going with Sting, like, hardcore. If you're not associated with Sting right off the bat, you're an afterthought. The Diamond Stud. Um, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, like, Brian, the, the, the white heavyweights get a rub, but that's because Brian Pillman's one of Sting's little buddies. Right. Let's go back to Brawl last year. You know, it's like, here he is. Um, and so it, you're, you're really not going to be anything. Nothing's going to come through to it. DDP hasn't had anything with Sting yet. Um, you know, and it seems like, uh, you know, I mean, they, they do an okay job of keeping some of the, the divisions separate, but it's like the Steiners, the Steiners are a big deal, but whenever Sting really needs muscle backup, it always seems to be the Steiners. Yeah. Um, as opposed to, you know, at some point the Steiners, I mean, I know we make a joke about it. Steiners like, we don't need you, Sting. Frankenstein, right there. You're done. Yeah. You know, be something neat. We but. took care of Vader in one match. It takes you like a year to beat Vader. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and, <laughs> no, go ahead. I was going to say, let's, can your point about like the orbit of Sting and like anything that comes within that orbit is immediately elevated, especially when they come in. WWF tries to take this. In 2015, they're like, all right, Cena, we're going to run you with the U.S. title. And we're going to give you this thing where you get to call out a dude or you have an invitational and somebody comes out and you're going to, we're going to put them in your orbit and you're going to elevate them. And yeah, like everybody who's in one of those matches, like it feels like it's a big deal, but ultimately it's not, it's not a big deal for anybody who's in any of those matches. Even the Kevin Owens one, we've talked about this so many times, but it's so true. It's like he gets to beat Cena, but yeah, he loses the feud. You know, Rusev gets to beat Cena, but he's going to lose the feud. And it's just over and over all these dudes. And it's like, well, what did it do for him? And it doesn't do a whole lot. In the case with Sting, it, I, I often wonder if it's like the... Was it because they were, they were switching bookers and they were switching direction and leadership a lot during this period. Like, it's at least a couple times already we've we've had a change up top. And that could definitely you know change the direction. I just have a hard time believing it's like, you have a guy like Sting... It's not like you have like Seth Rollins, where it's like, eh, what do we do with this guy? Like, what's he good at? Besides saying John on the microphone, I'm kidding. But you know, like, what, what is, what does this guy have? Sting's got a, it's he is like you know not to take away you know Lux Lager's complete man, you know mirror image, but he is the total package. Like that 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 he does bring so much to the table, and I just like. He wins that world title. He loses like or he loses it to Flair at a house show coming off that awful Black Scorpion storyline. And then it's like, all right, we'll have him tag up for a while. It's like, what's the thought process? Is it is the thought process, okay, we need to keep Sting, we need to lay him low a little bit so we can have him build towards a, a maybe a return match with Flair later on in the year, which obviously doesn't happen because of Flair's departure. And then it gets, all right, well, we got Luger instead. We'll build towards that. I don't know. It just seems like way too long-term of booking for that to really be something plausible. It's just, it's sad. Like, it's just sad because, I mean, the the one thing I'll say is like, man, they put Nikita over on Sting, but then Nikita seems to vanish. Well, spoiler alert, he's about to return in a different way, but that was a wild one where it's like, wow, he beats Sting in the feud, but then he's gone. So it's like, whoa, what happened? 
Well, you don't beat Sting. You, technically, Sting wins the feud because he's still around. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah, it's it's just really disappointing, and that's why it's like, and it, it just feels like it just kind of it, it will it will get better, but then it also gets worse because once we get to the second part of the season, really, where it's you know, or towards the tail end of the season, where it's like Sting is really going to be an afterthought in a lot of ways, really, really soon. Unfortunately, not really soon, I should say, but. Yeah, that's a good one though, Jay. Because it, I think it just comes back to like the whole purpose of the season, like going through and looking at it, and like it's always been our, always been kind of our view with the podcast was we go back through these things and like, was it really what we thought it was? You know, was is it really as awesome or as bad as we thought it was? And in the case of Sting, it's like you really weren't as much like the the greatest guy in WCW as you're kind of painted to be. Like you're a remarkable figure and. Uh, unforgettable, but boy, they don't really book you that way, do they? Do they? See, that's the part I don't understand. Why, like, unless something drastically improves for Sting over the next couple of shows, why was he so loyal to WCW? That's a great question. Yeah, it, yeah. if this is why, if this is how they treated him, because I don't remember it being like this. I do remember Sting being the guy. Like the top guy in WCW, like he was, he was their Hulk Hogan. Like that's how it always was. That's why Hogan and Sting was the dream match, um, with Hogan coming into WCW back in '94. And you know, you know, Sting just oh, like he's he's the torchbearer for WCW. Like he's very loyal. It's like he doesn't WCW to Sting is not like WWF is to the Undertaker. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's like WWF. Like, I don't have to go back and look at that stuff. I know. I remember uh, WWF treated the Undertaker exactly like I thought WCW treated Sting. Um, and it just it's just sad because of all the all the wasted time <laughs> that, that, uh, of, of Sting uh, not going to WWF um, and what he could have done there, because this this is very underwhelming for me. Yeah. 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 Like the the idea, I remember we were talking about doing from Sting to Hogan. It was like we're gonna watch a company focus on one dude and then just almost overnight transition to another guy. Well, guess what? It's not really the case. Yeah, you know? and he took and he took that really well. Yeah, like Sting. He doesn't get enough credit for that for, yeah. for just kind of stepping aside and letting Hogan do what he did. If, if Sting hadn't gone with the black face paint, or sorry, with the crow makeup or whatever. Who knows what would have happened to that character? Yeah, because once again, like, if we go back to, like, the premise of the NWO, it's like, man, we really just got to screw up WCW. And how do you do it? Well, I'll just turn Sting against everybody or turn everybody against Sting. It's like, do you really need to? Because he doesn't seem that effective, even as the... Right. <laughs> Although, looking back on it, that's really interesting uh, that they... Because I, I didn't have all this background knowledge of WCW when the NWO thing was going on. But if I had... And you look back on let, let's turn Sting against WCW. It definitely seems plausible that he would turn on WCW. Yeah, yeah, totally. He, he would be the leader of the NWO. It yeah, he should have been the fucking leader. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think that was one of the rumors at one point that, that that's come out recently that, that Sting was at one point going to be the third man, but then they ended up just putting him in the match, and everyone was the third man. I guess I think at right. some point, right? Yeah, but. Um, no, no, it's definitely made me look at his whole career differently. Uh, yeah, this, and we're almost halfway through this. 
and <laughs> things better start improving for Stinger. Now, fortunately, fortunately, like, I mean, it's pretty. We, even if you haven't seen the match, you pretty much know how Super Brawl is going to be booked for Sting. We know what's going to probably happen with the mm-hmm. finish. But then, like, it gets really cool because we know the Vader. This year, he's going to feud with Vader, Cactus, right. and Jake Roberts. So he's going to have some That's really big. he's going to have some high caliber feuds. But the but the thing is, like, well, he it's not like he didn't have necessarily necessarily high caliber feuds before. It was just how did it feel in the greater context of the of the promotion? Because as we pointed out, like, it just didn't feel like it was really that significant. Like, even with this dangerous alliance thing, like, it just feels like. I'm so focused on that faction because they're so good. I You're don't right. I don't care about Sting at the moment that much. And I feel like Sting has um, the John Cena problem in a way, uh, which John Cena had a lot of problems. But the one that you always used to bother me about John Cena was that um, no matter what would happen to him in the ring or, or in the storyline, he never seemed affected by it. And it made it really hard to relate to him in that way. And it's kind of, I feel like it's kind of the same way about Sting. It's just like, he just gets the crap kicked out of him. His friends turn on him. Nah, woo! I remember, yeah. I'll never forget, night after WrestleMania 20, uh, 28. And it's like, they're doing the screenshot oh, of... Bad. The screenshot of Cena sitting on the ramp as he's looking at The Rock, having won the match. And it's like, what's John Cena going to do? It. I was so pumped. Because I was like, okay, was what are we going to do here? Are we going to do something cool? He comes out for like all of like maybe less than five minutes is kind of Mopey Cena, which is always a fun sub-character, is Mopey Cena. <laughs> Mopey Cena. Yeah. And, then, and then, of course, by the end of it, he's getting f 5 by Lesnar, and it's like, nothing happened. Nothing happened out yeah. of this. And that's bullshit. He ends up beating Lesnar. Yeah. So, yeah. that's the worst. All right. All you really get is that, and it takes a year, that empty arena promo where he talks about was the worst year of his life. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I think in that the year he got the divorce and it was finalized and everything. Oh, and it was like, yeah. There, right. there, there was an opportunity for a character change. There was your, for like, there was your crow face paint Cena moment. Should have <laughs> been sometime, And what I don't, I don't literally mean yeah, Cena yeah. paint his face like the crow and chop from the rafters. But that could have, <laughs> would have been awesome. Just tires, he leaves his jorts in the ring and. <laughs> Takes them right off. <laughs> yeah, just takes them right off. There you go. <laughs> this is how I'm going out on top. Oh, Missy, on this bad boy. Um, but that would have been a good chance for a catharsis, and it took. It, it, the problem is, is it took Sting like years of going, like of being betrayed, um, being overlooked, for him to finally do it, and it. It didn't happen until technically we, the fans, booed him because we thought he joined the NWO. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It was the, it's just kind of weird. So I don't want to overshoot. We keep talking about like 96, like it's around the corner. Yeah. But yeah. It's, no, it's right. But, but I think it directly ties into it. Like, yeah. like, you know, a lot of people uh, forget this, but, you know, when Hogan fought Flair at Bash at the Beach 94. It wasn't like, oh, like that was the match that was signed. No, Ric Flair had to have a match with Sting, and the winner was going to fight Hulk Hogan. I love that, that the winner between those two over the world title was going to get the honor to fight the new guy, Hulk Hogan, at um, Bash at the Beach. You know, I've, I've told you about that, Will, how I was like, oh, I want Sting to win. And he's like, but wouldn't you rather see Flair fight Hogan? Yeah, yeah, I would. That's 
it's a weird thing. <laughs> yeah, like why well, I, I don't want to cheer for Flair. But I I do not remember really anything that Sting does up until that um I what match was that? Was it War Games? Um the last time he wore the traditional face paint and Oh and uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it was in ninety six. That's like the last time I remember yeah, well, yeah, I don't remember because like, yeah, I don't remember anything he does in between, um, really at all. Yeah, I know he teams with Luger a lot. I know that that happens, you know. Because Luger l- starts wearing face paint. Yeah, which is hilarious. Right, I do remember. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but overall, I, does wait in '95? Doesn't does Sting and H- do Sting and Hogan get on the same War Games team, and Hogan wears face paint? Oh, I don't know. I think that happens. I think that I think they're fighting the Dungeon of Doom or some shit. Uh, oh boy, yeah. that old. Uh, you, you need face paint for that. <laughs> well, well, Charlie, talk about Ron Simmons. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I was kind of back, going back and forth on a couple of things, and some like the thing that I've, that's been bothering me, or the thing that I've been thinking about the most during this whole run, and it's basically uh, it's Ron Simmons. It's Farouk. Because I've always had the you know the memory in my mind of when he beat Vader. On uh, was that even televised? I want to say that was televised because you know that I, I I remember the hard cam, but it wasn't a clash. It wasn't a pay per view, and and I remember just being just really cool. Like that was a big deal. As a WWF fan who didn't watch WCW, I heard about it and it was like, oh, that's great. Yeah, I like I do like Ron Simmons. You know, a couple times I've seen him. I had no idea um, that he had actually had like a feud with with a world champion where he would main event a pay per view and then lose. And I did a little bit of research, but by way of Wikipedia, uh, <laughs> looking into this because it just seems like I just keep thinking about that match he had with Luger and how the way it was booked and the way that he was promoted. He basically got the Lex Express promotion. Um, Ron Simmons did. And, you know, he didn't just lose. I mean, I mean, he lost. Like, it wasn't like, like Luger beating Yoko at SummerSlam or anything. It's like, I, that was two out of three falls, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. And I, I think one of the falls was screwy. I think, I think Ron Simmons got one of those uh, Nick Patrick, you know, very fine referee moments. Yep. And... <laughs> Wasn't it an over-the-top rope? Yes. Yeah, it had something to do with over-the-top rope. Yeah. And, oh, that's what it was. Luger, like, jumped over, jumped at Ron Simmons. Ron just kind of, like, avoided it. And Luger went over the top rope. And and they counted that as a DQ against Ron Simmons. And it was just like, what? And it was kind of screwy, and he didn't get a rematch for it. And it absolutely seemed like that's the point where he would have won the world title. And this was kind of weird because... It's like, once again, well, what's Sting doing? You know, well, he's not doing a whole lot. Well, let's go with Ron Simmons. It's like, why? Like, he had just come off of Doom and with Butch Reed. And, and here we go. Let's, let's get him in to a world title thing. Let's see, let's see if he, like, the crowd can get behind him. And sure enough, they do. He does have enough charisma to get it done. They show those videos of him talking to children, like at schools about, <laughs> yeah, which is always a plus. Yeah. <laughs> I miss that, like, stay in school and, and, you know, don't join a gang and, you know, just that kind of shit. And, uh, and the kids are like, yes, Mr. Simmons. And, and he's, 
he seems like genuine. It seems really good. It's like it seems like they're like building him for the moon, and um, and it ended up not happening. I and like I said, I looked at Wikipedia just for a second. I really cannot believe this. Uh, <laughs> they said the original main event for Halloween Havoc '91 was supposed to be Lex Luger versus Mr. Hughes. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but they, they finally that, pay off that storyline after a year. <laughs> that cannot be true. But that's what it said, and it said the reason the match didn't happen was because Ric Flair was fired. And Mr. Hughes was left to become Luger's bodyguard. I, I don't so know. Weird. How, how do you jump? How do you get to I that don't, point? Just, that's what it says. If you look it up, it's <laughs> yeah. like, what what does Flair being fired have to do with any of this shit? Um, I was like, well, we can't get Mr. Hughes. Maybe, maybe uh, you know, MAGA. Maybe it was a black thing. Like, well, who's like the only other guy, the only other black guy we've got that could that could, you know, be believably a world champion? Ranger uh, Mr. Hughes. Ranger Rick. <laughs> He's a role model for everybody. For everyone. That's right. <laughs> so maybe that's it. Maybe maybe that's why they settled on Ron Simmons. But thank God, because Mr. Hughes, I, I love Mr. Hughes, but, you know, not much of a wrestler. But I, I just wanted to kind of bat that around because so Ron Simmons loses this match. He kind of gets lost in the shuffle afterward. And then out of nowhere... Um, I think it's because Jake Roberts uh, assaulted Sting because Sting was supposed to fight Vader. I think that's the way it worked out. And then they had to come in with a replacement. Here's Ron Simmons, who fought for the title, you know, early, you know, early or later the year before. Let's see what happens. Holy shit, he won the match. He won the world title with with no build up, nothing. And it seemed like he he was out of the picture. I just just wanted to bat around what, what you guys thought of, of the treatment of uh, Ron Simmons during this whole thing. What did you think, Jay? Well, <clears throat> okay. So you, you suddenly break off from your tag team that you had tremendous success with. Um, and so you're already an established threat. But instead of going after the U.S. title, which apparently is supposed to be the way to get the, the world title, you immediately get a world title program. Right. You lose the match in your in your attempt, okay. But then there's never. I, I, does he ever go after the U.S. belt? I, I don't think so. Um, I don't think so, like, there's not a okay. Let me. All right, cool. I lost my shot. I want to get it back, so I know to get it back, I've got to go this way. Um, there's nothing. It's like, I mean, true. It's because you know, Rude shows up the night that uh, during Halloween Havoc, and then becomes all about Rude taking on Sting again. It's like there's there's no there's nothing there's nothing for Ron there's not even I think a TV championship run it's just nothing he's just kind of dead space and a placeholder to the point where why is he in that six man we we just covered like I don't remember I mean we we you know we're not watching the week to week stuff but you know did, did Bobby Eaton did he take offense to Bobby Eaton saying he's from the dark side well, I mean what's happening why is he there um, and then he. He gets nothing in that promo after. There's not even a, all right, Alliance, blah, 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 you know, shifty, shady, whatever the fuck. No, he doesn't get anything. Um, and then, you know, looking at it, I think he would have been a, a bigger deal if you would have seen Ron Simmons, U.S. champion, uh, at some point. Even if that's how he gets his his world title. That would have made sense. If he just, oh, we got to replace Sting because Sting got beat. Um, Ron Simmons somehow wins the U.S. belt there. He's the number one contender. Let him go. Um, especially with the buildup that we had for Ron, where look at this guy. 
he's he's a man, not just because he's he's a big guy, he kicks ass. He's a man because he comes, he goes back, he talks to kids. He's all about teaching kids respect and and being respected, even though they saw him lose in front of the <laughs> Lex Luger at a non televised event or whatever it was. Um, you know, it's just it's tree. It's weird. It just hit me here thinking about how much they talked about. Look what Ron Simmons does for the the black community is how the WWE treats Titus O'Neil because they love to tell you how much he does for the community. But then they're sure quick to make fun of him for that slip up at the Rumble, uh, the greatest Royal Rumble, to the point where that was in the Royal by the num- like Rumble by the numbers promo this year. Was some oppo- some people don't even get in the ring and they just show that shit over and over again. Oh where God! They, 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 some they people him. some people grab Vince McMahon on the ramp and get suspended for six months for <laughs> <laughs> just being emotional during a very emotional moment. Nope. You know, it's, and it's like, but but look what he does. He, he was going around to poor neighborhoods and taking kids to see Black Panther and, and showing, look at this, look at this, but you know, he doesn't deserve anything. Here's Ron Simmons. He's going to the school in Atlanta. He's talking to these kids. He's going to lose. He's going to get a world title shot. And what did he teach those kids? You can go and get your world title shot, but when you fail, you disappear for a year. That's what I think about. Um, so a lot of, so I don't think it's not, it's definitely to respond to, it comes out of nowhere. It's all because of Bill Watts, man. Bill Watts wanted to have a black champion to be able to appeal to the African-American audience. He, he had done it before this with Junkyard Dog and UWF. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's a great moment. And what's funny is, like, <clears throat> Simmons, like, it's it, it feels so long overdue because I think you're 100% right, Charlie. Like, the build and everything is, like, well, this guy should win the belt, and if he doesn't, uh, let's keep this going because people right. people seem to like it. People seem to like him, but then it's like this is the Sting problem where it's like, well, we got we need to have Luger drop the belt to Sting because that's the real money match, and it's like, well, yeah, I mean, I get it, but like, does it mean like you can't have like Simmons steal a win? I don't. I mean, you know what I mean. Like all of a sudden he gets a freak win out of nowhere, and he has maybe like a month or two months, and then Luger maybe sneaks it back like do the mick foley rock thing leading we know uh, rock's got to fight austin we know that's the match but can't we do some fun stuff before then to kind of if we're gonna do this long con to kind of wait to put the belt on sting it just feels like they there's definitely something lost by just having simmons job to luger and then just vanish just vanish like this six man like that that thing was hilarious because we all saw it it's like Wait a minute, because I remember by the end of it, I was like, I, 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 I had to pause. Of course, I paused to do my notes, but then I was thinking, wait a minute, I don't remember Ron Simmons being in the match. I just don't like. And then that, that, what really sums it all up is that promo that Barry Windham's doing. There's Ron Simmons, and you know, hey, I'm just gonna. I have like two choices I can do here. I can look at the camera and nod, and there's Dustin, and yeah, he's still there. How you doing, man? Yep, yep, just hanging out. Like, what is? The question becomes, what is his match for Super Brawl 2 at this point? Because he only, what, four months ago was wrestling for the world title? And now, like, I know he had, like, a wrist injury, and I'm, that, that that seemed like that was legit because he really didn't. They only showed him in plain clothes doing promos. But, man, where is this guy going? And, like, I'm kind of glad I don't know necessarily in between what happens between now and, and the Vader match, but 
it's crazy. And then like all of a sudden he's hot shotted because of Watts, you know, that's, he wants to do like a really big, a really big kind of turn at the top. Boy, I can't wait till we can talk about the Watts era of WCW. It's like, geez, Louise. Boy, talk about like just taking everything. And it's like, you know what? Let's do things the way we used to do them. You know, that sounds fun. Um, but that moment is so cool, but it's really like, boy, we really went from you jobbing in a match at, you know, had that funky Nick Patrick thing. You do presumably nothing. We'll see. Maybe that changes. Maybe he has some kind of, maybe he does have some really good stuff between now and when he wins the belt, but it does feel like this really way overdue thing. It really does. Because can you imagine that? What if they had gone with, all right, you keep, you keep the feud going. Would have been kind of cool to see Simmons main event with Luger again, maybe in January on this clash if they had Luger on the card. But what if they had main evented Simmons and Luger at Super Brawl? That would have been kind of fun, you know? Because you got Sting with the Alliance. Just keep them there, you know? Might as well. Yeah. Or at least let Ron be the Ron and Sting be the final two faces in the Battle Bowl yeah. instead of steamboat because then it comes down like i would i mean coming down to to ron to, to ron simmons and sting of who gets to fight lex luger that would have been great yeah because what's feeling weird is like in this whole dangerous alliance thing like with the way all these pieces are assembled although sting is wrestling for the world title he seems to be feuding more with rick rude where does that leave Steamboat? Steamboat's just kind of there. He's a great face, obviously. Like, he's a big name. He is lost in this as well, where it's like, you could have easily just, like, just... You could have rearranged these pieces to where, like, I liked, I like Charlie's suggestion. Pair up Sting with Austin. Steamboat, put him with uh, Rick Rude. Ron Simmons with Lex Luger. Keep it going. Right? There you go. Right. Like, that would have been a lot of fun to... That would have been a lot of fun to see because it would have been cool for Austin to get give him the rub of working with Sting, and there was still some mileage to be gained out of that. Um, really, some mileage to be gained out of that out of the Ron Simmons Lex Luger thing. Really do, yeah. All right, so these are good topics because they 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 tie in nicely what we're talking about here with the the overall the roster. What I wanted to talk about was. It feels like before we started this season, like a lot of people talk about, oh God, after Ric Flair left, WCW went to hell. And then they needed Flair back to get everything right. I don't think that's the case. Uh, I've written down a lot of the names that we've seen this season. We know the schism, if we want to call it that, happens in July with Great American Bash. Is it July that was Bash or is it June? I think it was July because it was around the 4th, right? I forget. I think so. But basically, you know what I'm talking about. Like, that summer of 91 is where it all kind of goes, it all changes. The Here's a list of some of the guys that we've seen. Buddy Landell, Mike Rotunda, the Iron Sheik, Dutch Mantel, Harley Race, the Midnight Express, the Wild-Eyed Southern Boys, Tom Zink, Brian Pillman, Junkyard Dog, Ellie Gante, Arn Anderson, Barry Windham, Sid Vicious, Luger, Flair, Sting, and Doom. You know, no particular order there, but like those are that's pretty much like the a good amount of the roster that we saw from where we started at Great American Bash ninety, pretty much through like Bash ninety one, and of course a few others in there like Stan Hansen, Steiners, Freebirds, Rock and Roll Express, of course. But here's a lot of the guys that we're seeing after 
and these are, and I'm, a lot of these guys we're seeing featured more after Ric Flair leaves. Steve Austin, <laughs> Terrence Taylor, <laughs> Thomas Rich, Richard Morton. I just mentioned those guys because the, of the, I'm thinking more of the York Foundation is that stable when they, they first came around. Dustin Rhodes, Ron Simmons, Tom Zink, Brian Pillman, Nikita Koloff, Steiner, Sting, Luger, Anderson, Wyndham. Some of the guys we've seen from the previous group. But then Rude, Bobby Eaton is elevated. Jushin Thunder Liger, Cactus Jack, Vader, Simmons, Steamboat, and even Van Hammer. You know, like as a guy that's being featured on television in a mid-card feud. With all the stuff we've been batting around, like with... We're talking about Sting feuding with the Alliance. We're even talking about Ron Simmons being elevated to a main event slot. This roster is awesome. It's arguably as good as a, as any roster WCW has, with the exception of probably like NWO era, right? Because that's when like that early, that 96, 97 era is really good. Even probably stretching some into 98 when you get into the, the cruiserweights, the TV title picture. I texted this to you guys, and I know with the way you guys are doing Skype, maybe on your mobile device, you can't see this. I just sent it to you, so you, if you have a chance to see it, cool. If not, it's fine. I wanted to pull like some numbers to try and support. Like, were people on the nose with this? Oh, WCW is just in such bad shape. Blah blah blah. Well, right. The first thing I wanted to look at, like, I was like, well, what was attendance like, right? Because attendance seems to be, you know, that that seems to tell a story. You know, where was the company at? Because we've seen this with WWF. Like, oh, Bret Hart was a great champion, but you know. The, the numbers weren't as strong. Shawn Michaels was, a, you know, a great world champion, but the numbers weren't as strong. And, you know, we, we've seen that talked about, especially with the Diesel era of being the world champion. So just look at this stuff here. This is 1991. Like, June, the average attendance, 1,200. July, 2,000. August, 18, 12, 14, um, 11. And then December of 91, it's at around 2,000. 92, it's 21. February, 2,000. March, 2,600. April, 23. And then it starts to dip in May. And then it's, but it's still hovering between, you know, between 1,000 and all the way up to peaking at 2,900 in July of 92. But then come December, it's like below 1,000. 93, it picks up again. But then by like the mid of 93 to the end of the year, it's below 1,000. And Ric Flair is going to be coming back in around March, I think, of 93, I think. I'm not positive. I feel like it's somewhere around there. It could be a little bit earlier, but basically 93. So that attendance doesn't necessarily tell the story that, oh, WCW was sucking without Flair. No, it was doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Um, in fact, those are some of the best numbers. In, in fact, I even want to look at The numbers are right on par with where they're at in 2000, which is hilarious because WCW worked much bigger arenas in 2000 compared to where they were working in 92. Much bigger, because the product was a lot different. But here's the here's the weird thing, though. So that's attendance. But you look at uh, buy rates. And I know trying to do buy rates back then is a little bit wonky and stuff like that. But the buy rates, you know, tell this story of like, yeah, they're, they're not spectacular. Like a lot of times they're between like a, a 0.5 and a 1, maybe a little higher. But at the same time, like they definitely start to pick up some steam a little bit after Flair comes back. So it's weird. Like there, there, there's stuff that supports the argument and not so much. But it feels like overall, and now just kind of speaking in a, a in a qualitative stance, qualitative way, I feel like we've enjoyed the shows a lot more since Flair left. Overall, overall, I would say, 
I just feel like we've enjoyed the product more. And that's why I wanted to kind of bat around with see how you guys felt about the product. Has it been, has it really felt like, my God, how are we going to survive without flair? Jason, what do you think? I think at first there was that little bit of a scramble. I mean, because it was sudden. Um, but after that, it's like, all right, fine. We don't have flares, so we got to make another flare. Luger will be the new flare. Um, he'll be the champion that can't be beat for whatever reason. Uh, and so he took that placeholder. And as far as position, not necessarily in personality um, and placement with the fans, but it does slip. I think that getting Rick Rude was their answer to it. Like, fine. And, you know, player, like I mentioned, Luger doesn't have like the man, look at this guy, this fuck him. Woo. He's the best, but fuck him. Whereas rude does. Um, so that coming back and then building up, you know, the dangerous Alliance was obviously the, another version of the horseman. Um, but the thing with the dangerous Alliance is it felt like, kind of almost everyone was important in the Dangerous Alliance as opposed to these guys just are here to support Flair uh, kind of thing. So, because it's the same, like, going, like, just going back to my point, the York Foundation, right? What a what a wet fart of a, of a stable. Right. Um, but also because they never feuded with Sting. There was nothing about them that ever touched Sting. They were so low card that they weren't, I mean, like, you know, in a sense, they weren't worth the time. So they never were a threat. Um, and so once the dangerous Alliance comes, that's, you know, when they start coming, that's when the York foundation dissolves. We don't need another stable, a, a heel stable. That's, that's redundant. Um, so I was looking at, I pulled up the, the email that you sent and you see some of the numbers and like, you see a big dip, um, without flair. And then you see it kind of, kind of go back, but it doesn't go back a lot. So it's like, I guess the, they're go up a lot. So the people that, People that were WCW stayed, and then the people that were Flair went to WWF, and it looks like some of the people stayed in WWF instead of coming back to WCW with Ric Flair, right. as far as viewers firing. Um, but I, I mean, I'm enjoying it more, I guess, as, as far as we're seeing, you know, with exception of the same, that we make the joke, you fucking see a Freebird, Young Pistols combination in some way, almost every pay-per-view. Um, but there's... There, there seems to be a little bit more variety because I don't see Ron Simmons being in the the, the main event picture as long as the horsemen are around. With the exception of like Flash, where it's like the tag team champions versus the two best of the horsemen, something like that. Yeah, that's it. But that's not like a main event program as much as just a main event to a TV show. Um, so Flair being gone, we did get that. Um, I don't see. Uh, I don't know. It's it's hard to say because, really, I mean, you know, there's a lot more people missing. Like Buddy Landale's been AWOL for for months and months and months. But I guess when you're the copy of Ric Flair, what are you going to do when there's no Ric Flair? Right. He's touring with Skid Row. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, real real quick, like, is it safe to say that maybe like the way we remember Ric Flair is like he had great matches, but maybe not the greatest storylines, like. You know what I mean? Like, because even in this era, like, of, with where we came in in July of 90, like, he's got the horseman, and but and he's feuding with Sting, kind of. And then he just kind of goes to the goes and does this little thing with Doom, with Arn Anderson. Like, we'll, we'll fight Doom for a bit. Well, nothing will come of it. 
We'll just fight with him a few episodes. That's it. He does the Black Scorpion thing, gets the world title back. You know, awesome Japan show, great, great, but nothing really, nothing really significant. It's like, what was he doing in terms of really elevating guys? You know, so I don't. know. I was just thinking of that while you were saying no, that. No, I Jay. think his, I think his, uh, his, his storylines in, in that one year in the WWF are more memorable. Like his storyline with Randy Savage, uh, I'll never forget that for WrestleMania eight. Yeah. Yeah, with the photoshopping of Elizabeth and Ric Flair's pictures and <laughs> just, man, that was good stuff. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, Charlie, what do you think of like like? Do you think the roster is like? Did you think the roster was in this awful place like after he left that just needed him back so badly? Dude, I didn't even realize he was gone. <laughs> um, like like the first show or two, I, I, I forget what episode it was, but. You say it, and, and I'm legitimately like, oh, yeah, <laughs> where the hell's Ric Flair? No, I didn't even fucking notice. No, no, no. Um, you know, because Flair, Flair was always just kind of a mainstay. You know, it's like, you know, he's there, like, for most of the NWO stuff, but what did he do? <laughs> you know, and, and that's not really his fault. Like, I remember, like, it was like an active thing that Bischoff was trying to, like, push him and the older guys out and make way for... Well, well, Hogan was still old, but you know those guys. Yeah, yeah I got you. Uh, yeah, but no, no. I think like especially looking at, at the uh, the last episode we did, um, Clash. That's a hell of a roster. There's a lot of good guys. Um, I, I don't think it, I don't think it's as good as WWF's roster, but I mean, like that's really hard to, to beat. Like the 1992 WWF roster, Jesus, like like the, just nonstop great wrestlers. And WCW, like, this is really solid. And I'm also trying to think of it in ways of, like, well, you know, not who these wrestlers would become. Because, I mean, you, you, you cannot deny that Steve Austin is on this thing. And you're like, well, he's not Steve Austin yet. He's not Stone Cold. Like, he's still stunning Steve. But that was he was still great then. And But, like, adding Rick Rude, I think, was a huge deal. You know? Like, mm-hmm. I would... Rick Rude is is up there with the all-time greats, and I, I think that was a great addition. Like, they've got a nice group, like, mix of people. And I'll say this, too. This whole uh, this whole thing about, oh, WCW, like, never really made stars. Like, WWF likes to throw that out there. Like, they, had, they made Sting and Goldberg, and that was it. You know, when I was a kid, I remember when Mankind came into WWF, and I was, I was like, that's Cactus Jack. Like, I knew that. When Goldust first showed up, that's Dustin Rhodes. I knew that. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I, I think that's a bunch of crap. The WCW d- didn't really make stars. Like, Ric Flair was already a star, but Ric Flair, when people think back on him, they think of his WCW time. Iron Anderson, Bobby Eaton. Like, maybe these weren't stars, like, in terms of, like, The Rock. But these were definitely known names. Like, Sid became really popular in WCW. Yeah. And he carried that popularity over to his WWF run, which, yeah, he's there right now, too. Like, that WWF roster is just unbelievable in right. 1992. So, here, so here's, a good, here, here's a good way, and then maybe he'll use this to round it out here and close it up. But, all right, for and, and Jason will get a shot at this, too. You combine, like, in 1992, right where we're at, if you combine the WCW and WWF rosters and you could pick, like, who are your top three draft picks? Of all three, of all both rosters combined, Charlie, who would you pick? 
who would be your top three? Jesus. And 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 you can't take into account where they're gonna be. Like you can't like he's not stone cold. He's not right. He's not stone cold. He's just stunning Steve. Holy cow. Um. Well, you gotta you gotta go Hulk Hogan. Uh, yeah. So okay. Man, Hulk Hogan. Um, I'd probably go. I'd probably go Vader. And maybe maybe mm, Randy Savage. I'd probably go Randy Savage. Okay. Jason, who would you pick? That's really hard. Yeah. No, it is. It is. Because it, it does depend. Like, the year makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. And I'll tell you why whenever I get to mine. But go ahead, Jason. With All right. Yeah. This is really tough because it's only three. Um, and trying to pull. So it's impossible to pull equal from, from each show. Uh, I would say if I'm going to do a draft, I would do Sting, Mr. Perfect, mm. and Sid. So I think Sid's a really good. See, it, Charlie, the reason why I'm not going to pick Hogan is Hogan '92 is not great. Like it's already. But we don't know that yet. No, no, it's not. But no, in this time period, like the Royal Rumble's already happened. People okay, are not. Well, well, the Royal Rumble, he, he he looks like shit. Yeah. The Rumble, but that's just that's just the way that he's booked. Like he's still got that main event coming up with Sid, and it was supposed to be Flair, and 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 they hadn't made that decision yet. Right. So like at this point in time, like like it's still looking like it's Hogan and Flair. Now Hogan takes like a year off, right? Yeah. After, after eight. Okay, but you know we didn't know it's, that at the time. But it, it definitely feels like it's now diminishing returns. Like if I get this guy, how much am I going to get, like out of my roster, by having a guy who pretty much like the crowd was visibly, no matter what they try to do with the audio, we know what happened. They're not going to Mandela this on us. We know they were booing him. We know that they were not happy with. You know, necessarily with you know Hulk Hogan getting over on Sid, they they loved it when Sid eliminated him in that rumble. Yeah, they did. So that's why I mean, I remember, I, but I remember the WrestleMania eight response was different. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 definitely different, of course. But I don't know, like, if I'm if if I'm drafting these guys to build something, that's why I still like mm. if I'm going by just the time period, I think my number one, it's got to be Brett, just because I loved the IC run. I loved where he's at from 91 summer going in through that survivor, that awesome survivor series match, which is just a who's who, including Virgil. Awesome wrestlers. And of course, like, I mean, like it, it's not fair to take into account, but he does build towards that great Roddy Piper match in 92. Oh, really good. So good. So I'd good. also pick Brian Pillman. I think Pillman is awesome. MAGA or not <laughs> that thing <laughs> that just eliminating the loose that cannon <laughs> I mean like the everything like from from Jump Street and the from the beginning of we saw him even that match with Buddy Landell where it's like yeah I, I we like Buddy Landell but it's like obviously the wrestling quality isn't spectacular spectacular but Pillman was definitely there so I pick him and then um if I have to pick one more, like see I'm torn between Sid and Scott Steiner because Scott Steiner's just, I mean, anytime he's on television and it's not even the pop of pump stuff. It's like, what moves is this guy going to do? Like he's going to Frankensteiner every fat fuck he comes up against. It seems like, like he's ready to do it. 
Like he, he took he took Mr. Hughes out with it, which is like that. I mean, we we know then like he could do it to Vader if he could do it to Mr. Hughes, because Vader looked like he was arguably in much better shape. But anyway, now I mean that's the fun thing about it, is like there's the reason I, I bring it up is like we each brought up like there are definitely some significant WCW guys that we would draft. Like Jesus Christ, I mean we're we definitely like if we were if we'd be given. You know, maybe two more slots. I guarantee you, one of us would have probably picked Ravishing Rick Rude because of how good yeah, he I'm is here. With that. Yeah, I mean, like, and I think it's just a point that um, these guys, these guys were really, really good, much better than sometimes they're they're given credit for. This the thing that sucks, and even oh, another good one, definitely another one to mention is Luger. Like Luger's heel run, spectacular great i i i had debated whether or not that was going to be the the topic i want to talk about it was just specifically him but um it just goes to show you i think though that it's a bummer that this isn't going to stick around as much just because luger's going to be leaving soon the steiners aren't really that far behind they'll be gone they'll be headed to wwf you know, relatively soon not you know not like next month or anything but it's coming and of course we know sid sid had already left and everything and that was another one we really liked but now it's it's a really good roster right now. It's and it makes these mat these shows overall even with like even if I rate a Vinny Vegas match a one, I'm st it's still again really enjoy the the product overall. It makes it really fun. I'm excited. I I mean Charlie, you and I not too long ago watched Russell War '92, so we know there's an e an even better pay per view on the horizon too. Z Man. That's right. He's a little pissed off at Pillman. Maybe he is the new. Maybe he's gonna. You know what, Pillman? I don't like these skyscrapers that you're taking over from the Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's. Um, next show is gonna be the um, our back to our pay per views. Super Brawl '92. Well, Super Brawl Two, taking place in 1992. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> it's important. It's the World Series of Wrestling. <laughs> Just seven days of wrestling every night. I'm about to say Jesus. <laughs> but we'll be back with that. So keep um keep a lookout on your best luck spot ballast. Just keep going through if uh, if you haven't yet. If it's already out by the time this is released, keep checking it out. Picking out your uh filling out your ballots. But um in the meantime you can always keep conversations going. Let us know your thoughts on the topics we talked about today. On Facebook, New Blood Rising Podcast, and on Twitter at New Blood Pod. I am at William Rinkin eighty three. I'm at the Jason Kiesler. And I am at CM underscore stabs. We'll see you guys again soon for Super Brawl Two. <laughs>